morning, everyone. It's uh, nice to see everyone's lovely smiley faces. I know you're going to encourage me with your eyes this morning. And if you agree with something I say, go like this, so that I know you're there and you're responding. Um, when I was given this bit to speak on, I looked it up, and I realized that actually I hadn't noticed that it was a parable. It wasn't one of the, the good ones with a heading that says the parable of the this. Um, and I must admit, I probably missed it in my reading. Um, Harry has christened it the storehouse of truth. So let's give it a look. I'm going to be referring to a number of different versions because I, I found it hard to unpack this and find out who it was that it was talking to and what it was talking about. So I'm using a few different versions. Let's start off with the good old NIV, hopefully. Yay. Gosh, that's teeny tiny. Can you read that? This is from the NIV. It's, it's uh, Matthew 13, verses 51 to 53. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom treasures as well as old, new treasures as well as old and when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. This morning, I want to look at what are all these things that Jesus is talking about. I want to look at who are the teachers of the law that Jesus is talking about, and what are the new and old treasures. Oops, there we go. So just to put it into context... These verses come at the very end of chapter 13. And when he says all these things, Jesus is referring to all of the previous parables in Matthew 13. We've heard about some already from uh, Jeff and Dave and Ali and John. And you're going to be hearing more in the weeks to come. Some of the parables point to the importance of choosing the kingdom of God. Some of the parables point to the importance of remaining in the kingdom of God. Some talk about the cost of choosing the kingdom or the consequences of not choosing the kingdom, as the case may be. Uh, in fact, this parable, um, at the, just immediately before it, Jesus is talking about the wicked being separated from the righteous and being thrown into a blazing furnace. There will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And then he says, have you understood all these things? So imagine the scene, right? You're the disciples. They're all gathered around Jesus. They're having their own personal tutorial about what the parables mean. He's just spent 50 verses, 50 whole verses, explaining this to them. And then he says, have you understood all these things? I wonder if there was a, like a long, awkward pause uh, as the disciples thought about Jesus' question. Or did they just say, yes, yes, I understand, I understand. And I wonder if they were half expecting more parables to follow because Jesus was on, on a bit of a roll, wasn't he, in this chapter. He's like, yes, and another one, and another one. So they might have said, yes, we understand. Give us more, Jesus. Who's ever been fat in class? Um, and the teacher says to you, do you understand this? And you're like, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, I understand. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I haven't got a clue. And the rest of the class is going, yes, we understand, we understand. So you say, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I understand. And you haven't got a clue. 
And I wonder whether the disciples are like this. They're saying, yes, Jesus, we understand all these things. But at this point, they don't know what's coming next. We do, because it's there. But they don't know what he's going to say next. Uh, and what the consequences are of their yes. <laughs> In the Passion Translation, Jesus carries on. And I'm, I'm switching about with the different translations here, so... Uh, He says, every scholar of the scriptures who is instructed in the ways of heaven's kingdom realm is like a wealthy homeowner with his house filled with treasures, both new and old. And and this wasn't easy. I was like, what scholars of the scriptures? What is the relevance of this? I don't get it. And this is where the different translations really help. The NIV, as we read at the beginning, it says teachers of the law. In the Amplified Version... It says every scribe, well, I'm like, that's even more confusing. Um, but God's words translation says every student of the scriptures who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven. Every student of the scriptures who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven. And that makes more sense, doesn't it? It's a bit clearer. In that day and time, Jesus was referring to the disciples as being students of the scriptures which they were. And in this day and time, he's referring to us, his latest disciples. For for myself and probably many other people here, our journey to faith was uh, included the Bible in some way. Um, We maybe referred to it to get an understanding of what had been spoken to us. So somebody plants a good seed um, by somebody speaking to us about Jesus and something rings true, and you think, hmm, this is interesting what they say. I need to check this out for myself. And so you start to prepare the soil and start looking at the Bible for yourself. Uh, For me, it was reading the New Testament. Somebody gave me the New Testament, which I wasn't particularly grateful for, uh, but I had nothing else to do, so I read it, and that was part of my journey into faith. And it actually resulted in me becoming a disciple of the kingdom of heaven. So the parable is talking to me. And it's talking to you. So just to read, oh, just to read those two together because they, they tie together, but just from different versions. Um, it says, every student of the scripture who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out of his treasure things that are new and fresh and things that are old and familiar. When Jesus is teaching his disciples, the old treasures speak of truths that have already been established. They're founded upon what God had already revealed to them. They are what the scriptures historically and prophetically say about God and the kingdom to come. For the disciples in their day, that would have been the Old Testament. And the disciples were students of the scriptures. They would have known large parts of the Old Testament by heart. And I'm going to do a harry on you here and give you some backstory. So the Jews in Jesus' day had three levels of education. The first level on the screen, you can see it says the Bet Sefer. And at the age of 6 to 12, Jewish boys and girls would begin their education in the synagogue school, learning how to read and write. The textbook was the Torah, which is the five books of the Bible as we know it. And the goal was to memorize all of it. So you've got these kids, 6 to 12, memorizing the first five books of the Bible. 
Uh, it concluded with the bar mitzvah, which a lot of us know what that means from television, if not from personal experience. Um, and the boy was welcomed into the community as a full member of the Jewish community. It was also, 12, was also the age at which the boys were allowed to read the Torah out loud in the synagogue. And when you think of Jesus when he was left behind in Luke and his mum and dad had lost him and he was in the temple speaking, it gives us, a, us an insight into where Jesus was in that journey of his education. And this is a one star. The next level was Bet Midrash. And this was only for the best of the best. Um, from the age of 13 to 15, they continued studying and memorizing the entire Old Testament. Very few were selected for this part, <laughs> as you can imagine. The final level is the Bet Talmud, which was the longest duration as it went from that age of 15. So they've already memorized the whole Old Testament at 15, and they, they, it carries on to 30. The boy had to be invited for this. Um, he would have a rabbi who came and selected him. And if he was selected, he would begin a process of training that would lead to the potential of him becoming a rabbi himself at the age of 30. These students would literally follow in the dust of their rabbi, wanting to emulate him in all of his mannerisms, all of his ways. Um, he would eat the same as the rabbi. He would get up at the same time as the rabbi uh, and they would go to sleep and they would learn and study the Torah to understand God exactly the same as the rabbi. Jesus, being the best of the best, which he was, had reached this last stage. Uh, he had become a rabbi himself. The Pharisees acknowledge this because they call him rabbi, so they recognize him as a peer. And the disciples call him rabbi as well. The difference was that rather than mimicking another rabbi, Jesus spoke with his own authority, the authority that he had because he only said what his father told him to say, and he only did what his father told him to do. So he was the rabbi of rabbis. I love the fact that um, Jesus chose his disciples from the most unlikely of places. They've probably been taught to this first level, um, they hadn't been selected to be the best, to go to the next level, or if they had, they hadn't been selected by a rabbi, so they were left in the wind. Um, along comes Jesus. They're, they're, they've had their training. They haven't been selected. They're back being fishermen and carpenters and tax collectors and all of those things. And along comes Jesus, and he chooses them. They didn't have to apply to a rabbi. He came along and chose them. Can you imagine how that felt? Like this rabbi comes along and says, excuse me, will you follow me, please? I, I think you're okay. Come and follow me. <laughs> and God purposely chooses the weak, doesn't he? He chooses the nonsense. Um, and that is just the Jesus that we know today. So in the old and familiar scriptures, uh, the old and familiar treasures are the scriptures from the Old Testament that speak to us about the kingdom of God. I tried very hard to find a treasure chest for this next bit, but I couldn't find one. But this is my treasure chest. This is my very first Bible. Um, it's probably about 30 years old. It's fallen apart. 
Doreen Jones made a beautiful cover for me. It's been written on, full of messages, there's notes, it's a mess. There's tea spilt on it, coffee spilt on it. But this is my treasure chest. Uh, and I'm just going to look at a couple of verses from my treasure chest, which incidentally is the same as your treasure chest. The first one is Joshua 1, verse 5. And Jesus, or God says, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This shows us the faithfulness of God, doesn't it? I'm sure your Bibles look like this too. Uh, let's have a look at another one. Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. Uh, thanks, James. Where are you? For singing about that this morning. Good of you. Uh, he, is our, our, he is our protector, isn't he? And look at another one. Ecclesiastes, verse three, chapter 3, verse 14. I know that everything, everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. He's an eternal God. And just the last little one. And we've also sung about hearts of stone and hearts of flesh. And this is from Ezekiel, verse, uh, chapter 23. 36, verse 26, and it's a promise God gave to me. You know when God gives you a, a verse and it becomes really yours? This is one of those for me. And God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He's a restoring God, isn't he? He's a, a healer of broken hearts. There are just so many old treasures uh, that point us to the nature of God and his kingdom and to the coming deliverer. As I say, I'm sure your Bible looks a lot like this. If it doesn't, get writing. <laughs> I, I give you permission to uh, deface your Bible. Um, and it's out of that storehouse, out of the, the things that impact us, that give us something to get out. If there's nothing in the storehouse, we have nothing to get out of the storehouse. Uh, anyone who has a storehouse knows that you have to have an inventory, an idea of where things are. So when you think of the disciples memorizing the Old Testament, they, well, they didn't have verses, did they? <laughs> we have the, the bliss of having verses and chapters they just learnt the whole thing in one fell swoop. How, how would you pick something out? It's like, oh, hang on, in memory bank, uh, July the 22nd, I've got this thing in my head. But we have the luxury of verses and pages and chapters that we can memorize the scriptures as we get them out. So what about new treasures? The disciples, I would, I, I would love to have been alive in the disciples' day. They were seeing old treasures become new treasures, like right before their eyes. Uh, a great example of this is in Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 2. We all know this so familiarly. But this is an Old Testament verse, so it was an old treasure. And then Jesus comes and says it himself. 
uh, he applies it to himself, and the disciples see an ancient prophecy fulfilled right in their, in their presence. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the new, good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. It, it goes on, but this is Jesus identifying himself from old treasure. The disciples also experienced a supernatural revelation of God, didn't they? Can you imagine being at Jesus's baptism and you're watching John the Baptist baptize Jesus and all of a sudden there's this voice from heaven that says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. People have heard the voice of God, haven't they? But can you imagine just being there at that time? It's incredible. And in Matthew 9, verse 35, we see Jesus. He's going through all the towns and the villages. Every time I say that, I want to say villages, because <laughs> I think of Arnus Gargan. All the towns and villages. Teaching in the synagogues, he's preaching the good news of the kingdom. Healing every disease and sickness. The rabbi is teaching by example. And he gives the disciples authority to do the same. Jesus expects his disciples to build both on the biblical teachings that come before him and on his own gospel of the, of the kingdom as he's de demonstrating in action. And because the disciples of today's parable say they understand, which they said, yes, Lord, we understand, they prove that they are good soil. They're the soil who was pressed in close enough to uh, Jesus to really know him. And as we read in the book of Acts, we see that outworking of that. We read account after account of the disciples doing what Jesus did, don't we? Thank you. <laughs> so we are also Jesus' disciples, and he's given us authority to do the same. Um, and with the old and the new treasures, there's a map for Ali here because she likes her maps. Um, the new and old treasures are the roadmap of how we can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth today. When Ali spoke on the parable of the mustard seed and she showed us her maps and illustrations that small is not insignificant and that God has a significant part for us to play. And John took that a step further when he talked about the 12 disciples. Where are, I can't see John now. There he is, yeah, oh, right in the middle, in the front. <laughs> um, they have, the 12 disciples have now become 2.38 billion disciples at the last count. So that little small seed of 12 is massive, isn't it? The yeast has permeated the whole dough, incorporating all of the parables so far. <laughs> so we are disciples of the kingdom of heaven. And as we study the scriptures, we have to bring out the treasures new and old as well. And we shine that light onto the people around us. Um, in Hebrews 4, verse 12, in the Amplified Version, it says, The word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, which is the completeness of the person, and of both joints and marrow, which is the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and, and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Wow. 
when I talked about when somebody gave me the New Testament and I started to read it, um, there was one part that really jumped out of me in 1 John 5, and it said, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And it was one of those ones that, I, like I'd, I'd started at the beginning of the New Testament, and I was just wading my way through, and then this one verse just literally penetrated my heart. I'm like, oh my goodness, I haven't got the Son. I know I haven't got the Son. So where, where does that leave me? I knew I had to make a decision then. I'd been given some knowledge about the Son of God. And if I didn't have him, then that meant I didn't have life. And that was a real, for me, a real turning point of my sincere search for God. I think at the beginning, I was reading the New Testament to, to impress this guy who gave it to me because I fancied him. Um, I married him in the end, but um, then God took hold and he planted that in my heart. And that's what our treasures can do for people, where you never know what you're going to say and who you're going to say it to and what the impact is, impact is going to be when you say it. You have no idea what it's going to land in. So lastly, I think that I believe that new treasures also refers to the spiritual gifts. And thank you, Harry, for stealing the rest of my sermon with your video at the beginning. <laughs> um, I just want to look a little bit. So in Harry's video, he talked about Pentecost. He talked about how the Holy Spirit came um, and landed on them with tongues of fire. And I just want to have a quick look at the verses from 1 Corinthians. Uh, it says, now to each one... And I want you to look at the tense of this and, and who it's talking to and when it's talking about. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, and to a yet another, the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. According to scripture, the gifts of the spirits are to continue to work through the followers of Christ until his return. If you look at the wording, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. It's not was given, it is given. Present tense, not past tense. Um, the disciples themselves were given prophetic words, oops, sorry, were given prophetic words to say uh, in Luke 12, verse 11 to 12. Jesus says, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, don't worry how to defend yourselves or what to say, for at that time, the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. So the disciples were expecting God to give them prophetic words and words of knowledge. And I wonder if we expect the same. Ali, uh, sorry to keep talking about you, Ali. I know you hate it, but you brought a beautiful prophetic word last week. Um, God spoke through Ali in song, and God said that he has it all, all that we need, we will find in him. Wow, what a blessing. 
And, and I can't imagine that Ali finds it easy to bring a song like that. I mean, especially in this environment, to stand and be obedient to a, a word that God gives you, um, where perhaps there is less encouragement visible to do it. Uh, it's, it's very strange times. But because she does it, and she recognizes God's voice, and she has practiced doing it, and she continues to do it, she knows that when it comes, she just has to bring the song. Uh, it's that obedience and wanting to do what God wants us to do in spite of how we feel ourselves. Um, so what spiritual gifts do we have? What spiritual gifts would we like? What prophetic words have been spoken over us that have perhaps gone dormant? Um, I have a little book, and I'm good at little books that get battered. This is my little book of prophecies and promises. And when somebody gives me a prophetic word, it goes in the book. And I can refer to this whenever I like to remind myself of what has been said over my life. And some of them have been fulfilled. Some of them are continuing to be fulfilled, and some of them aren't yet. Um, but I can keep reminding myself of that. So what new treasures do we have within us, and how do we cultivate them? And now you can have my little picture. Jeremiah 33, which is God's hotline. Um, God says, call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He has it all. All that we need, we find in him. The answer is to ask. Ask God to show you, to speak to you, and then you need to respond and practice using what he gives you until it becomes easier, uh, because it's not easy at first, is it? I'm going to ask the musicians to come up now and sing for us. Um, for people at home, take the time to be undistracted. For people here, just listen to the worship. Um, and I want you to ask quietly to God to show you great and unsearchable things. If you have gifts of the Spirit that you would like, I want you to ask God to show you uh, and perhaps impart to you gifts of the Spirit. He can and he will. If you have gifts that you know you have, but you, you perhaps have got lacks in practicing them, I want you to ask God to refire re those up in you, to light, shine a light on them and reignite them for you. Um, and to pray for any desire, any gifts that you desire to move in. Am I all right leaving this here just for a minute? Yeah? Because I'm coming back.
You know just what to do. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. And I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed, give me vision to see things like you do, God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from, give me wisdom. You know just what to do, and I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I will love you, Lord, my rock, forever all my days.
Father, I just pray that the words that you've spoken into the hearts of people in the room and the hearts of people at home, Father, will take seed. I pray, Lord, that the little whisper that they've heard now, they will cultivate and water and nurture and practice and grow in. Father, that they will come to hear your voice, to recognize your voice, and to respond to your voice as you speak today, the same as you spoke to the disciples, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. Um, can I have my PowerPoint back up, please? So what are all of these things that Jesus is talking about in the parable? They're the parables. All of the parables, the ones you've heard so far and the ones you haven't heard yet. Who are the teachers of the law that Jesus is talking about? We are. We are the teachers of the law. And what are the old and new treasures? These are the scriptures from the Old and New Testament that speak to us about the kingdom of God, as well as the now word of God spoken through the Holy Spirit to us today. As yet, you haven't heard all of the rest of the parables. And I could say to you now, like the disciples, do you understand these things? And you might say yes, but you've got more parables to come. Uh, in speaking in parables, Jesus himself was fulfilling yet another Old Testament prophecy. He said, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. But as their meanings are open to us each week in greater depth by the number of different speakers, this parable shows us that we have a huge responsibility that if we understand them and we've learned from them, that we have to obey their teaching and to use our newfound understanding of the kingdom of God to reach others and to teach them the good news. It's a responsibility we've signed up for, guys. Um, next week, as Jeff has already said, we've got the amazing Deborah Lyon. Um, and I pray and hope that you will continue to come in in person, the more the merrier now, almost. <laughs> Uh, but thank you for listening, and I will see you again next week.